I'm going to read from Genesis chapter 35 tonight. And I'm going to read three verses in your hearing. Genesis chapter 35, verse 16 through verse 18. Genesis chapter 35, verse 16 through verse 18. When you have it in your Bible, your smart device, or if your attention has fallen upon the screen, I want you to signify by saying, I have the bread. I'm going to ask everybody to stand with me, if you will, for the reading of God's word. And the next time I ask you to stand, I'll be closing out. Now, if you stand between those moments, that's on you. All right. <laughs> Genesis 35, verse 16 says, And they journeyed from Bethel, and there was but a little way to come to Ephrath. And Rachel travailed, and she had hard labor. And it came to pass when she was in hard labor that the midwife said unto her, Fear not, thou shalt have this son also. And it came to pass, as her soul was in departing, for she would die, that she called his son Benoni. But his father called him Benjamin. I'm going to go back to verse 16. They journeyed from Bethel, and there was but a little way to come to Ephrath. And Rachel travailed, and she had hard labor. I'm going to ask you to share this word with the person beside you. Then you can be seated. Just tell the person beside you. Tell them pregnant at the wrong time. Don't be seated in the presence of the Lord. Pregnant at the wrong time. When the apostles um, laid the foundation of the New Testament church, it was not their idea that they were starting another religion. Oftentimes when we read in the book of Acts that we see all of the nations represented on the day of Pentecost, we often fail to be reminded that they were there for the Jewish feast. And these individuals were, were Jews, uh, Israelites of the diaspora. Those individuals who were coming to Jerusalem for this high holy day. They were individuals in their mind continuing to build on the foundation of Judaism. Not starting another religion. They believed that Yeshua, Jesus the Christ, was the fulfillment of all 100, uh, all 633 ordinances, laws, and commandments. Jesus says, I didn't come to do away with the law. What did he say? Come to do what? I come to fulfill it. That the Torah spoke of him and the Tanakh. And the prophets were speaking of Jesus. To the point even Jesus in his own declaration says, before Abraham was, come on church, I like to talk to you. I am, I, I am. And so that means our faith is a Judeo-Christian faith. It's, it's the faith of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
But let's look at the, the bio of, of this man we call the father of faith. Wow. How did he get to be called the father of faith or the patriarch of faith? What did he do so well? What laws did he keep? What ordinances had he observed? It's going to be a little problematic for us because we would like to always imply that our chosenness in God is based upon the merit of our good works. And this is why you became a district supervisor. And this is why you became an ordained elder because of your merit. How well you've served and how holy you've lived. How sanctified you are. And how many scriptures you quote and operate in. But when I look at the scriptures. Old and new. It tells me something. Not many noble men were called. Mm. Yes. We pursue holiness and we pursue godliness. But I need you to look at your neighbor and just be honest with, just be honest with the person beside you. Tell him it ain't me, it's God. Anything bad about me is me. But anything good about me is God. He didn't choose me because I was the best at what I do. He chose weak vessels, my Lord. He uses the foolish things to confound the wise. Yes, we do have a treasure. Yes. We have a treasure, but the Bible says this treasure is in an earthen vessel that the excellency will be of God and not of us. Abram, Abram, the father of faith, a Hebrew who was not born a Hebrew. Hmm. He's the son of terror and idol worshiper. This is why I want to lift to some of you in this room that there's an anointing that God is putting on you. And some of you, it's on your shoulders, but it's hard for you to carry because it's called the anointing of first. Mm. Glory be to God. I say, I didn't say the anointing of only. God says he's putting on your shoulders something called the anointing of first. The reason why some of you has been so hard for you in this last season is because you're going to be the first one in your family to do what you're about to do. I wish I had a praise here. Hallelujah. Some of you, it's been a little frustrating because you've been looking for a reference point. You've been looking for a template, but I hear the Lord says he's about to make you a holy template. I need you to pull on somebody, tell your neighbor, I've never been here before. But I am here. I got the wrong church. I need about 50 people that will talk to me. Tell your neighbor, I've never been here before. But I am here. I've never crossed this way before. But I am crossing. I've been looking for people in my family that's doing what I feel. And I can't find nobody. And many times we feel like we're crazy. Because the people around us are not talking the way we're talking. But God told me to tell you, he's raising you up with a grace that's called first. First, first. The first millionaire in your family the first one having a holy and healthy marriage the first one that's walking surrendered in your calling somebody shout I'll be the first Abram although he's grown up in the Sumerian community around uh, the Mediterranean where people are polytheistic it seems like God put a desire 
or an inquiry in him. You know, that's what David says in Psalm 27 and 4. One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek out, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the, the days of my life to behold the, the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Now, y'all know why we've got to conjure folk up to praise God? Because they've lost their inquiry. Yes, yes. You know the reason why we have to do Simon Says in church? Clap your hands, stand up, turn around. It's because people have lost their inquiry. You know why you got to text folk and say, where you at tonight? You know we got church tonight. Why you not here? Like, I just won't feel in it tonight. They've lost their inquiry. People are, are finding themselves professional at doing church, but they're missing God. They feel like they know everybody. They feel like they know everything. They feel like they've done all kind of church services. But the old saints used to say this, every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. You may have a master's in theology, but you do not have a master's in God. Every time you see God, you see another side of God you've never seen before. And that's why I don't have to go to church. I get to go to church. The psalmist says, I enter into his gates with thanksgiving and I enter into his courts with praise. The reason why some people sit in church and they're looking off, they analyze the musicians, they analyze the choirs, they analyze the preacher. But let me tell you something, baby. Ain't nobody great but God. I didn't come here for people. I came to experience another side of God. I don't care who's preaching. You ain't got to sing my favorite song because up above my head, I hear music in the air. Scream at your neighbor, tell your neighbor, don't lose your curiosity. Don't lose your zeal. Don't lose your passion for God. Don't lose it because so many of us are doing church on autopilot. We're doing jurisdictional meetings on autopilot. We're doing choir rehearsals on autopilot. Sometimes you need to shut down the rehearsal and have a prayer meeting. Sometimes instead of trying to rehearse over all of the toxicity, you need to cast out the devil on the praise team. Sometimes it ain't the issue of the notes, it's the posture of the heart. Because when the heart is right, the keys come easy. Abram had a curiosity about God. And this is why some of us can't find God where we used to find him. Y'all interceding for me tonight? I'm about to come on through here. Pastor said I can preach like God. Give it to me. You hear me? That's why some of us can't find God where we're accustomed to finding God. And when you get into that no man's land, you start blaming the church. It ain't like it used to be when so-and-so was here. It ain't never been the same. I don't know. I don't have the energy for it anymore. Hallelujah. The reason why you can't find God where you used to find him is because God's desire for you is to experience him on another level. God's desire for you, for him, and for your life is for you to experience another realm in God you've never had before. So God says, I'll let you come to try to find me where you used to find me and I'll hide from you. Yes, I'll hide. You'll throw up your hands and you won't feel nothing. you try to move your feet and you won't feel. And all the time it's not sin. Sometimes God will hide from you so you will seek him because some of us have become mundane and routine. We've lost our curiosity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. No, you don't. I know God and I'm still knowing God. 
there's another part of God you've never seen before. Hallelujah. Moses says, I want to I see your face. He says, you can't handle it. You can't handle it. But if you get over in the cleft of that rock, I'll walk past you. You can see my backside. And then we, we give Moses the credit for writing the Torah. The only challenge was that's honoring him with authorship. There's a chronological challenge with that. Because Moses is not born into Exodus. But how can Moses write the book of Genesis? My God. Glory be to God. Where some scholar says, when Moses goes into the cleft of the rock, and God walks past Moses, and he sees the backside of God, he ends up seeing the backside of time, and Moses come out of the cleft of the rock, says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and earth. If Moses can get a revelation of the beginning by seeing the backside of God, how much more can we see when we seek his face? My God. See, some of y'all came for church tonight. I'm looking at you now. Tell your neighbor, I want to experience God. I want more than a church service. Some of y'all are hungry for a title. A title did what? I want God. Then what? It'll never be enough. Abraham, y'all be seated. Abraham has this curiosity. His father is not only an idol worshiper, but according to the Midrash rabbinical literature, his father, Terah, is an idol maker. And he's asking questions. Abraham is asking, or Abram is asking his father questions. Okay, so well, these are gods. Yes, Abram, these are gods. But you made them. Yes, but this is what we worship. Abram is asking questions. And I know we grew up in church and sometimes we say, don't question God. My only challenge with that is, if he's the omniscient one, who do you ask? And this generation that we're living in, they don't just take what we give them. That's, that mean, this is why we have to have an apologetic stance of the gospel. It's not enough just to say, I can feel them in my hands and feel them in my feet. Because there's a lot you can feel in your hands and feel in your feet. You need to be able to defend this word. Y'all not saying, when folk talk about you worshiping a European Jesus, you need to be able to stand up and say, no, no, the same Jesus that they crucified is both Lord and Christ. You need to be able to clap when they say, well, you ain't, you're just Christians because you were born in slavery. The devil is a liar. There were Christians in Africa before America was ever created. Look at your neighbor. Tell your neighbor, I got a defense of the gospel Abram is asking questions these are our gods yes Abram stop questioning me these are our gods and so according to tradition his father goes on a trip and leaves Abram in charge at the shop and Abram is like a little ADHD kid he's staring at these idols and he says, oh, they're gods. They're all powerful gods. And so he takes a stick to test out their power. And he knocks the head off of one of the idols to see what it was going to do. And what did the idol do? Nothing. Because idols we create have eyes but can't see. Ears and can't hear. Mouths and cannot speak. And when his father comes home, his father notices that a head is missing on one of the idols. And he asks Abram, 
what happened? And Abram responded, the other idol did it. (laughs) It shows us that Abram had a revelation of God without knowing God. And many of us, we will always testify about how God dealt with us when we started coming to church. And what God said to us after we got the Holy Ghost. But if you look back over your life and be honest about it. God was dealing with you before you got saved. I say it like this. Some of us were in church but we won't save. And God was dealing with us even before we surrendered. Hmm. I'm going to see can I find an honest church because y'all some good sophisticated church people. Some of us were in some places we shouldn't have been in. And somebody looked at us and said, well, you, you're different. You know, it's something different about you. You're like, what are you talking about? Some of us were smoking some stuff we shouldn't have been smoking. Drinking some stuff we shouldn't have been drinking. And while you're doing it, you're like, I need to go back to church. I don't even know why I'm doing this. I'm sorry, that's too real. That's too real. Because when God is pursuing you, where you are does not intimidate him. I need just the honest people. All the fake people, be quiet. But I need some honest people just to look at three people. And it's such three people. Tell them, he came after me. He came after me. I was in Lodabar and he came after me. I was polluted in my own blood and he came after me. I was in some places doing some things I shouldn't have been doing but he came came after me and I need about 50 grateful people to open up your mouth and praise him because he didn't leave you where he found you. I said he didn't leave you where he found you. And God speaks to Abram. said, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. And your seed will be greater than sands of the sea and stars in the sky. And so how did he become the father of our faith? There was no law given. There were no decalogue, no ten commandments, no ordinance, no laws, no commandments. So how did he become the father faith because when God spoke to him the Bible says Abraham believed God and many of us this is where our struggle is some of us we don't really have a sin issue we got a faith issue because you will never live above your testament of faith your low living is a reflection of your low faith. Mm, hallelujah. If you, if you let God start working on your belief system, hallelujah, it'll start shifting the trajectory of your life. Somebody open up your mouth and shout, I believe God. I believe, I believe God. Against all odds, I believe God. Against all my fears, I, somebody shout, I believe God. And Abraham believed God and it was counted him righteousness. What does righteousness mean? It put him in right standing with God. Abraham, an old man without a child, 
And God keeps his promises and gives him an Isaac. <sighs> Don't look like what God promised though. God said a nation. God says more than the sand on the beaches. More than the stars in the sky. And God gives him one. <laughs> but that Isaac, hallelujah, has a Jacob and an Esau. Still not a nation. Still not all the stars in the sky. And this is what some of us need to realize. God is a transgenerational God. You hear me? He's a transgenerational God. That he'll speak it in the ear of your great grandparents. And bring it to pass in your life. I want to say to somebody in this room. You're coming into a season called answered prayer. Okay, I heard one. Thank you, Lord. I said, you're coming into a season called answered prayer. But it ain't even the prayers you pray. God told me to tell you, there's some folk that are dead and gone. And he going to keep his promises to the next generation. Somebody had a praying grandmother. Somebody had a bishop that interceded for them. And God says the word that they spoke over your life, look for it, look for it, look for it. I need you to get out of your seat as quickly as you can and run over to somebody and tell them this is a season of answered prayer. I'm coming to tell you things are going to get ready to hit you on your heel. Things will cause your head to swim. You're going to say, where did it come from? But somebody prayed and it's going to be fulfilled in you. Yeah, a season called answer prayer. Y'all be seated. Judah. Abraham has an Isaac. And I know what some of you want to say to me. I heard some of you Sunday school Christian education instructors. I heard you loud in your head. You says, yes, Bishop. He didn't just have an Isaac. He also had an Ishmael. You're right. The only challenge is we never say he's the God of Abraham, Ishmael, and Jacob. I'm going to tell you why. Because when God gets ready to bring his promise to pass in your life, he does not acknowledge what you produced out of your flesh. Mm. That's why some of you, your first marriage didn't work out. Because you brought it to God and wanted God to bless it. But there's some of us in this room, we're saying, I don't trust myself to choose for myself in this season. I'm not going to choose my own church. I'm not going to choose my occupation. I'm not going to choose my spouse. I only want what God wants. Because in times past, I tried to force my desires in the mouth of God. And it set me back five years. And some of us are still recovering. I'm going to ask y'all to do something and only the mature saints going to be able to do it. I want you to take five seconds and praise God for the prayers he didn't answer. Go ahead. Now look, some of y'all are still mad. You can't pray. You're still mad. You're still in your feelings. Get out of your feelings and praise God because his will is good, is perfect, and is acceptable. Somebody shout out what God wants.
I want what God wants. No, when God gets ready to do covenant, he says, bring Isaac your only son. Because in this hour, God says, I'm not anointing flesh connections. Uh-oh. Oh, God want me to come after something in here, I feel it. God says, I'm not acknowledging flesh connections. And that's why, hey, this is why I don't fool with a bunch of dark people in my life. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about? Them church doc, hey doc, hey doc, how many people you got? No, how many souls getting saved? That's what I want to know. How much money y'all raised? No, how many demons did you cast out? No more flesh connections. Because if you be honest with me, what set some of us back was not the connections we made in the world with sinners, but the connections we made with sinners in the saints. Come on, man. And the world can't do me no harm. It wasn't the world when some of us were backsliding in the pews. Somebody be honest and shout at somebody tell them church people did this. Carnal minded believers. Undelivered leadership. Oh my God. He says no more flesh connections. That your next connection will be a divine connection. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. If they're not circumcised, that means that's not your divine connection. Hallelujah. If they sound more like what they came out of instead of where God has taken them, that's not your connection. Let me tell you something. I'm at a place in my life where I have no more time to waste trying to beg people to go somewhere they have no desire to go. I need somebody that speaks my language and I don't have to keep explaining myself. You keep calling me deep but I just refuse to be shallow scream at somebody tell them come all the way in flesh connections come on y'all come on come on y'all come on come on y'all come on come on to the point bishop our flyers are not for sinners oh no no I went to upload the flyer last night. Man, I don't know who your graphic designers is. Y'all got good graphic designers. Nice flyer. But they're not for sinners. Our flyers are not for sinners. I mean, look at the language of it. It ain't for sinners. Sinners don't understand our flyers. Right? It's not appealing to them. Right? It's okay. Because revival is for saints. But what saints are our flyers for? For the people who have already confess that God want them to be a part of the ministry. So we got to make the announcement 10 times. And we got to clap real loud and say, don't y'all forget we got service this week. Don't y'all, y'all want to come on out. Why? Because we are still trying to convince people who should already be convinced. Mm, But I want you to look at somebody and tell them don't get left behind. Come on, tell them I'm not going to bless you and beg you. This is the season of acceleration for burning bush. And I declare, if you're going to be in this harvest, you got to move at a different speed. I need you to grab somebody and tell them acceleration is coming. Come on, start walking. Acceleration is coming. No flesh. No flesh connections. Acceleration is coming. No flesh connections. Oh, my dear, sir. Who shall I mandiosha? 
Because some of us don't have a lack of vision, we have a lack of runners. He said, make, write the vision, make it plain so those who hear it can run with it. Somebody scream at somebody, tell them God is sending runners to your life. Because some of you got a lot of parasites, but you ain't got no runners. You got some people sticking close enough to you just in case you make it, but they're not getting up under you, helping you push. Scream at somebody, tell them God is sending runners to your life. I need about 50 people to praise him because when you praise him this time, God is erasing the liabilities and he's bringing some assets into your life. Shut up! Oh! He's dropping off the liabilities. He's dropping off the liabilities. So I'm going to tell you, some of you have been in condemnation and you beating yourself up because if you be honest with me, then everybody not going to be honest with me. But I know the Lord sent me here tonight because some of you have a frustration inside of you because you've been saying, I should be a whole lot further. I should be further in God. Then where I am now, I should be further in my career. Don't y'all leave me out here by myself. I got a little jet lag, but I know what the Lord spoke to me. So I should, I should be further. I shouldn't be dealing with some of the same stuff. Count it all joy where you have to deal with diverse temptations. Nothing is more frustrating when you thought you was past something and then you start walking forward and it snatches you back. I'm about to give you the revelation. Because many of you have been thinking your stagnancy and your backsliding and your suspension is connected to a what? Uh-oh. But God told me to tell you, it's not connected to a what? Paul says, oh foolish Galatians, who have bewitched you? Tell your neighbor, it's not a what, it's a who. And some of us, oh my God, some of us have been given a courtesy to some who's that have been depleting and draining our anointing. But I need you to lay hands on somebody's shoulder and tell them, shake it off tonight. Shake them off tonight. Come on, shake them off tonight. Shut up the hole. I'm going to tell you. And I tell you by the power of the Holy Ghost. The Lord says to me tonight. There's some individuals in this room. That you're holding on to certain people out of guilt. That there are some people that you're holding on to. Out of guilt. Because. They met you in your broken state. And because they met you. In your broken state. You contaminated them. And because of that, you have been under condemnation and guilt that makes you feel like you still have to cater to what was. 
But I hear what the Lord says tonight. The Lord says tonight to tell the people in this room that Moses is a sign of your past. But Joshua is in the wing ready to take over. But Moses is a sign of your past. Why Joshua, your season of possession is waiting to take over. But God says your possession cannot take place until Moses comes off the scene. And God told me to tell you tonight, he says, I'm going to bury Moses. Because if you bury Moses, you're going to go dig him back up. But I need somebody in this room to open up your mouth and praise God. Because God says, I'm burying the past. I'm burying it. I'm I'm buried. I'm buried. I'm taking it under. I'm buried. Somebody needs to shout now for unmarked graves. Unmarked. Y'all be seated. Somebody shout unmarked graves. Please be seated. Please be seated. I'm almost finished now. And it ain't coming back up. And it ain't coming back up. And it ain't coming back up. Somebody, you've been under guilt, but it ain't coming back up. You've been trapped by shame, but it ain't coming back up. I need somebody to open up your mouth and shout like it never happened. Shout. 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 Oh. 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 Gotta go. Gotta go. Maniosia. Womania Sandio. Helelelelabosia. Helelelabosia. I want to say this really quick. Man of God, will you just lift your hands? You don't have to come down here. Just stand and lift your hands. Because I'm going to tell you, but I saw you in the hallway early. I almost grabbed you then. And I said, no, Lord. You know, I'm going to just preach through here and get out of here. And then when you walked over by the pulpit, I almost grabbed you then. And I said, oh, Lord, let me just preach this little message in Detroit. And get out of here. But I saw you in the spirit. I saw you come through a season of your life where the enemy had uprooted you and turned your roots to the sun, waiting for you to die. Who shall? Glory be to God. Hey, I saw on the inside of you where you were serving and staying consistent, but people around you had no idea how you were contemplating ideations of your own exit plan. Hallelujah. Because you love God. Oh, you love God. I see it in your heart. I see it in your spirit. But that moment that you feel like you saw too much and you can't unsee what you saw and you can't unhear what you heard. Who shall? Hey, and there were moments in your life that you desired normality. And you said, if I could find a space where I could be normal and do my own thing. But I hear the Lord says, tell him tonight, he still got to do it. Hey, Shah. Oh, I'm declaring over you tonight what we're going to do in here. When I count to three, we're going to blow a shofar. And when we blow that shofar and we shout, we're going to declare God is bringing you into a new season of your life. And I'm going to tell you why. Because your movements are going to affect a whole mass group of people. Your movements. I'm telling you, the divine decisions you're about to make. This decision. The decisions God do with you is not just going to be for temple church. It's more than church. God going to do something you for the temple and the marketplace i declare to you that god is going to trust your hands with currency like you've never seen before but this currency is not for your image it's for god's glory so because it's a weighty matter because there are people waiting on this and there's a contingency that's waiting on this tonight we're going to praise god because this prophecy is not about a person this prophecy is about a people and when we shout this time i want
want you to see masses of people being affected by the decisions he made. One, two, three, do it now. Go ahead. Everybody sit down as quickly as you can. The message tonight is called pregnant. Pregnant. And I hope you prayed about coming to church tonight. Because when I grew up, they said you don't eat from everybody's table. So I hope you prayed. And I hope you prayed about where you sat tonight. Because anybody, you know, it, yep, Yosha. Anybody in a maternity ward should either be pregnant, just gave birth, or supporting the person that's pregnant. Anybody else, you're weird. If you sitting around here tonight looking at us while we... a room of pregnant people and midwives tonight I want you to look at your, the people on your row tell them everything on this row is expecting hold on there, listen listen if somebody on your row just now if you said that and they looked at you strange you got you got one or two options you either get on another row or tell them to go sit on the balcony No. Now you look, you put your hand on the people near you. Tell them everybody on this row is expecting. Tell them everything on this row is going to get a miracle tonight. Tell them, don't you block the flow on this row. When I start shouting, you start shouting. When I start leaping, you start. When I start screaming, you start screaming. How? Be seated, I pass my time. Said, Thank you for being patient with me. I want somebody to put your hands on your belly. God told me to tell you the stillborn is not yours. Oh, shut up. 
through. There will be no miscarriage in this. Out of Isaac came a Jacob and an Esau. And definitely, y'all be seated. I'm serious because we got to go now. I don't want, want past my time. Y'all be seated. Who shall? I'm sorry. I see water in the floor. I see water in the floor. Burning bush, I see water in the floor. Huh, somebody's water just broke in the last shower. Somebody's water just broke in the last hour. What, what you trying to say if you said somebody's water just broke? In other words, it won't be long from now. I'm trying to stop because if I go up, I might not come back down. So, if God is going to use either one of them, he's definitely got to use Esau. Because Esau is loyal. Esau, we don't really give Esau enough credit. He stays close. He's honest. And one of them is a deceiver. And God said, give me that one. I know that's right. It don't make sense that God would trust me with something so heavy when I have fumbled the ball with things so simple. I need you to give somebody eye contact and I want you to say this and I want you to be serious when you say this. I need you to give them eye contact and tell them God hasn't changed his mind. Time has gone by but God hasn't changed his mind. You made some mistakes but God has. You tried to take back your yes but God hasn't changed his mind. Corey, Jacob run. He gets him a Rachel. He gets him a Leah. He gets him a Bia. He gives him a Zilpa. I'm just going to go on because if I stay in there, I can just stay there all night. How? If there's a hole in you, marriage won't fix that. And a ring will never deliver you from lust. And that's why we do need to apologize to the people who met us in our broken space. Glory be to God. Four women. And it's believed that according to the tradition, they knew that it was going to take 12 to lay the foundation for the prophecy that had been spoken. Just like in the New Testament, 12 apostles laid a foundation. It would be 12 that would establish the foundation for this Judaism. Judaistic faith. This hero is with the Lord our God is one faith. And 
Rachel got his love, but she can't have his babies. Come on, sir. He don't really care for Leah, but Leah can produce. Zilpah is a concubine. Bihar is a concubine. Let me tell you what a concubine is. A concubine is a woman that does wifey duties without having wifey honor. In other words, just because you wash his clothes and cook his meals, if you don't have his last name, you are not wifey. You concubine You got to tell folk and be honest with people in this season of your life because we're too old now. You, listen, if I'm not your promise, I will not be your practice. Y'all get up off of me. Get up off of me. And I'm not just talking about the sisters because some sisters are just as aggressive as some of the brothers. You're always blaming the brothers, but some are sisters. But Rachel only had one. To the point, man of God, she was getting mandrakes. She was doing all she could trying to have another child. She was desperate to produce. And I just want somebody in this room to know that don't allow people's stagnancy around you make you feel crazy about desiring to progress. There's some people, it's not that I'm not thankful for where I am, but I know what God showed me. Tell your neighbor, I'm really blessed, but tell them, there's got to be more. There's got to be more than going through the same routine day after day, week after week. Maybe that's good for you, and if this is good for you, just be great. But there's something in me that's saying, I got to, I, I have to be created for more than this. And that's where she was. Rachel is. Rachel wants another child. And the Bible says she's pregnant. She's pregnant. She's pregnant. She's pregnant. And the caravan of Jacob and his 11 sons and one daughter Dinah and four women and servants are moving. And all of a sudden, while they're in transition, she goes into labor. Is is what you pray for, but the wrong time. Take me out. It's what God said, but it's the wrong time. I don't have things in line like I want to have. I haven't conquered this part that's in me yet. (laughs) It's what God told you and it's what you asked God for. It's just the wrong time. Some of you, even leadership, have asked you about doing some things. And have you considered serving? Have you considered becoming a minister? Have you considered being a deacon? And you're like, I mean, not now. you feel something in you and you said not now 
Here you are in labor, but you're in the middle of a transition of your life. You've never been here before. And to the point, some of you emotionally, you can't even leverage where you are. And people are asking you like, what's going on with you? You've been different lately. And you know why you can't articulate it? Because you don't know yourself. Because when you get pregnant for real, there are moments you look in the mirror and you won't recognize you. Pregnancy sounds good as an ideal and you're looking at everybody's pregnant pictures and photo shoot. But when that thing starts stretching you, it's life but it's killing you. And the Bible says she's going, she's in transition at its a hard I want you to look at somebody and tell them you are about to find out what the warfare was really about this is the one Rachel Mm. this is why this pregnancy has been hard because this is the one This is, this is the one. Things are lining up. And the Bible said, finally the caravan had to stop. Because you haven't been called by God until you've been inconvenienced by God. Raising somebody else's kids. When you finally raised your own. I come to minister to somebody and tell you, you got to carry this one. And you don't get to choose the timing. All you can do is choose your surrender. Somebody ought to throw up your hands right there. God, this ain't the time and I want to do this. But you did this to me. And the Bible said, why she's in hard labor. She said, this baby is coming out of me. I want to call him Benoni. And his father said, no, I'm going to call him Benjamin. The midwife said, don't worry. Your son is going to live. She said, call him Benoni. Father said, I'm going to call him Benjamin. And then she died. And Bible scholars say the name Benoni means son of my sorrow. Why? Because she's dying. She doesn't get to raise her son. So she calls him son of my sorrow. Uh And Benjamin means son of my strength. I'm studying in Israel with one of my rabbi friends. He's not messianic. He's orthodox. He doesn't believe in Jesus, but we study Old Testament together. And while we're going over this text, he says to me, why do you believe the son of my sorrow? And I says, 
because the commentary says it. <laughs> and we begin to look, and if you look in Strong's Concordance, only comes from a Hebrew word called Avin. And Avin, in some texts, means sorrow, and in some texts, it means strength. So I said, okay, well, it makes sense. She's saying he's the son of my sorrow because she's dying. And the rabbi looked at me and says, Was she worried about dying? I said, what do you mean? I said, what makes you think she's worried about dying? Listen what the midwife says to her. Your son is going to live. In other words, it wasn't about her dying. It was about what she birthed living. And Benjamin is the only tribe that's ambidextrous. They have the ability to fight with their left and their right hand. And so his name is Benoni because he's the strength of a mother that's dying but still giving birth. And he's the son of his father's right hand. I come to tell somebody what you're about to birth, hallelujah, what you're about to give birth to is going to outlive you. What you're about to birth is going to outlast you. I need somebody in this room to get a revelation that what's coming out of you is getting ready to set up the next three generations of your family open up your mouth and shout because your sons will be blessed and your daughters will be blessed and your children's children will be blessed it's the wrong time but you're still pregnant it's not convenient but you're still cold the bible says man shall not live by bread alone but every word that proceeded out of the mouth of god I pray that you are blessed by the message today. And if you want to continue to get more inspirational, motivational, and even more gospel messages, I encourage you to follow our YouTube channel or subscribe to our podcast. And today we want to give you an opportunity to partner what we're doing domestically here at our local church and what we're doing all over the world. There are ways to give. And remember, when you sow, that seed may leave your hand, but it'll never leave your life. The Bible declares to us that when we sow, seeds are connected to harvest. Well, I want you to remember that I know what it feels like to cry until you have no more tears left to cry. But after you finish crying, don't stop. Get up and keep going.